Welcome to our home for Soul Talks with Bill and Christy Galtier, the weekly podcast of Soul Shepherding Incorporated. We're excited to share with you a mini-series of life-changing thoughts from Dallas Willard, who entered eternal glory on May 8, 2013. This series of podcasts are inspired by Dallas's recent book, Life Without Lack, and his biography. I was blessed to be personally mentored by Dallas over a number of years. He coached me in applying his teaching to my personal life and our ministry to pastors and leaders. Thanks for joining our conversations with Christ, our Good Shepherd. Hello, Soul Shepherding community. So glad to have you in this conversation with Christy and me. We are going to be talking about when ministry aholics relax with Jesus. I think this will be very autobiographical for you, Christy. <laughs> I remember calling up Jane and saying, Jane, I need to meet with you. I'm married to someone that's a lot like your husband. <laughs> and just the thinker that you are and the passion you have for Jesus and his kingdom and ministry and I, I needed some help, Jane. How do you do? How do you how do you live with him? How do you cope with this? And she gave me help. In becoming Dallas Willard, uh, Jane says, uh, "If there was a blood test for workaholism, I'm sure that Dallas would have come up positive, and uh, so would I. And yet, when I talked with Dallas about uh, ambition, uh, one of the things that he said was, "Well, you could have worse things than to be." Ambitious to be the next Dr. Dobson. That was how I started off in <laughs> my journey of Christian psychology was the, the famous Christian psychologist. I thought, well, I want to be like him. And I was talking to Dallas about that and feeling guilty about that ambition. And he sensed that there was a, a, a lot in that that was surrendered to the Lord. And so yeah. he was encouraging it. Yeah, I love that. I've often reminded myself of that too. And I tend to feel maybe competitive or jealous of your time and your ambition for the Lord to remind myself the good in that. And there is a lot of good in that. Yeah. Well, my ambition has since uh, turned over to following Jesus with people like you who are listening to us, men and women in ministry, pastors. And I was talking with Dallas about that uh, one time. during uh, This is during the years when I was meeting with him. And I was saying that it was rather addicting to see the positive impact for God's kingdom that I was being able to have through ministering to pastoral leaders. Mm-hmm. And we were talking yeah. about that. And he said to me, uh, you know, addiction, that's a good word for it. We usually mm-hmm. use that word in a negative sense. But in, in a way, the whole spiritual life is about developing a positive addiction to the life of God and the ministry of the kingdom. The old King James Version describes it that way. Look it up. <laughs> so I did. Sure enough, First Corinthians sixteen fifteen, they have addicted themselves to the ministry of the saints. Wow! And that word <laughs> "addicted" there is is used for the word "devoted." Hmm, that's good. Yeah, and surprising. Yeah, and it, but really, it's the same thing as Jesus saying, you, you know, you can't serve God and money. Mm-hmm. You're going to be devoted to one or the other. You yeah. can only have one master. Yeah. And so Paul says in the scriptures that. Those who are ambitious to be a leader, that, that's a good thing, as long as it's submitted to the Lord. And Paul knew that because if there's anybody that w- w- was a type A, hard-charging, mm-hmm. busy, super responsible uh, ministry-aholic, it was the Apostle Paul. I mean, he worked his fingers to the bone, <laughs> yeah. making tents, and he 
worked himself uh, nearly to death and actually was uh, ended up being martyred uh, as an apostle, as an evangelist, as a Bible teacher, discipling people and ministering to them. He was tireless mm-hmm. in serving the Lord. And yet he, he did that in the easy yoke of Jesus. And that's what, what Dallas learned. And that's what he taught me. And that's become the, the banner of our ministry. Your best life is in Jesus's easy yoke. That's my book because it's my life story. And it has been exciting to see the way God has used that in your life, in our life, and now in others' lives. And sometimes that is addicting to, to you know, when we hear from people, their stories. And yet I think there's also a, a practice for us in submitting that to the Lord and being intentional to take time off. Yeah, the way Dallas said that to me in another conversation that we had, he said, the old saying puts it well, Bill, man proposes and God disposes. And he went on to say, to talk about how in his own career, he had a careen. What's a careen? A careen is a career that is so submitted to the Lord and so tuned in to the, the goings on in the top of the balsam trees from the David story, after, uh, as Dallas describes it, after David and his army got creamed by the enemy that had come against them, and David asked the Lord, what do I do? And the Lord said, wait until you hear the goings on in the tops of the balsam trees. The wind of the Spirit moves, and the trees are swaying, and the leaves are rustling, and you can hear, okay, God is at work. That's when you're to move forward. And the uh, Lord gave uh, David and, and uh, Israel a great deliverance that day in a, in a surprising way. And so since we live by the Spirit, Paul says, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And so we make our plans, the proverb says, but uh, God is the one that directs our steps. So it's learning how in the day-to-day work that we're doing, whether it's in professional ministry, lay ministry, or you're a, a Christian in the marketplace, taking that work that you're doing and submitting it to the Lord and being open to being redirected through ways that God would guide you and different people with needs, that, that different situations that come up, and you sense, no, the Lord is in this. We're going to change course here. You know, I'm really glad you're using the word learning because you and I have been blessed to learn a lot about this and to get a lot of more experience as we've been learning about this, but we're still learning. <laughs> We're still learning to look for the hand of the Lord, to wait on the Lord, to keep in step with His Spirit. Yeah, it's a constant re-reminding and re-checking and reorienting myself and uh, stopping myself because I just have a um, a capacity mm-hmm. for accomplishment. Yes, <laughs> and for work. So I, I got up. Uh, Yesterday morning and uh, Sundays, usually I, I have uh, three to six hours in solitude and silence for prayer and meditation. But that might not be what you who are listening think. You might imagining me in a prayer room humming with candlelight or something and, and uh, some incense or something. <laughs> he used to do that. <laughs> I've done that. I have done some of that for training. I've spent some time in monasteries and yes. talked with monks and uh, I. I suppose I have a, a, a monkish side that's developed, but it's not really who I am. More, a better reflection of, of who I am is the way I spent that solitude time was is I, I ran a half marathon. I didn't even know it. I wasn't a race or anything, and I wasn't planning to run 13 miles, but I just was running and I was uh, meditating on Psalm 23, 
uh, which has been a, a go-to for me. And I was enjoying the beauty and praying lots of different intercessions and having a good time and came back and checked my phone. It's like, wow, I went 13 miles. <laughs> That's with Jesus. And it was really good for me. Another picture into what I'm like is what this desk looks like here. Uh, I've cleaned it up a little bit so it wouldn't be too <laughs> stressful for us if we're doing Zoltox. But uh, man, I got so many projects hopping here and I, I love it all. Yeah. All great ideas, but you can't do it all. Yeah. It's so, so many different uh, things that are going. Uh, gosh, uh, these podcasts, uh, devotional I'm going to write, uh, a book project, uh, a short booklet on methods for hearing God's voice that I'm working on. Yeah, we just got a lot of things here, the things in the leadership of Soul Shepherding with our process meeting with our consultant, working with our team. and Book on empathy we want to write. Yeah, not to mention that another church has asked me to come and teach on the Enneagram, and so we're working on that. And say, so, yeah, I feel like I have a Kareen. Yeah, you do. <laughs> and just keep submitting it to the Lord and say, okay, Lord, what do you want me to do You know, today? And of course, we need we need boundaries in that, and that's... That's the difficult thing is those decisions is, you know, what's the most important use of our time and what's the Lord in. So one of the things that that helps us, Christy, and this goes back to the founding of Soul Shepherding in 2009, and as with so many things, Dallas and Jane were our inspiration for this. Uh, one of the conversations I was having with Dallas early on, this was just after we'd started our, our ministry in 2010, and I uh, was telling him about really just my joy of, of discovering how leading through community was proving to be so powerful, a community of prayer. And so uh, for those of you that don't know, when uh, God called us to start Soul Shepherding Incorporated, it was a, a great challenge for us, wasn't it, Christy? <laughs> yes, it was. It was scary. We'd been doing it as tip makers, which felt more comfortable, except that we were working too hard. Yeah, but it was more comfortable because we had a good income as therapists in private practice, had income working at a church half-time. And so, you know, put it all together and we were doing good and very thankful and financially blessed. And to step away from all that security, mm-hmm. financial security, and to say, okay, Lord, uh, so yeah, so we're going to just venture out with you and be dependent on the donations that you provide for us. It's like, we did not want to do that. No. <laughs> And so, uh, but the Lord said, uh, spoke to my heart, Bill, there would be people that would want to help you if you would let them. And so you and I talked about that and trusted the Lord in that. We did. But it took us a yeah. while to venture on it. Yes. Yeah. And part of the way we did that was we gathered uh, some people, some close friends who'd experienced soul shepherding ministry before it was called soul shepherding. Mm-hmm. And a couple of key family members were in that group, people that just knew us really well, and we just asked them to pray. We told them a story. We shared um, many different uh, experiences from our walk with Jesus and uh, the ways that he had been leading us over our history, particularly from my journals. And they read that, and and we said, so what do you think? Do you think the Lord wants us to do this or not? Here's the pros. Here's the cons. Uh, Here's why we think yes. Here's why we think maybe no. And we're excited, but we're scared. Just laid all that out for them. Yes. And they said, yeah, we believe God is, is leading you to do this, and we want to be your board of directors. Each of them said, hey, we're on. We're joining up with you. We're writing checks. We're saying prayers. We're, we're going to roll up our sleeves and, and work with you on this. It's been such a blessing, such a support to have them with us. And 
certainly we've seen God provide in ways beyond what we asked or imagined. And one of the key things that we do with this board that was really the inspiration behind behind it was we submit to the Lord through them as we together are seeking God's best purposes for our lives and our ministry and so forth. So Dallas told me uh, the group I meet with that runs herd on me <laughs> has really helped me with my schedule. They can see things that I can't see because I've made mistakes with how I've used my time, Dallas said. And this has hurt Jane and my family. And as we said, this is one of the themes that comes out in Becoming Dallas Willard is Dallas's uh, overworking mm-hmm. and uh, being holed up in his study, thinking and, and writing and praying. And, uh, you know, when the kids were little and when Jane might have enjoyed some time uh, with her husband, uh, they made a sacrifice. How's there. this been for you emotionally, reading about this and sometimes identifying with Dallas and other times, you know, having deep empathy for Jane and the kids? Well, on the positive side, I'm uh, thankful that uh, with our board that we have that in place and we put we put that in place earlier mm-hmm. uh, because we learned from Dallas's experience and from the the, you know, the ancient devotional masters do this kind of thing uh, in, in the monasteries they do this all the monks submit to the abbot who's the spiritual leader and and their schedule is really submitted that way and so that's really helped us and so I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that and the the guidance and the containment that our board helps us, especially me, to have, and that you have a safe place mm-hmm. to go. Yeah, yeah, it's been really helpful. And you've used that. To- I have. Thankfully, most of the time, I don't. I don't need to because you do listen to me, and you do empathize with me, and you do really value time with me and and our children. I'm so thankful that you speak up, Christy. Those of you who don't know Christy well, you just you know her as a gentle uh, soul with a sweet, tender heart, who's very sensitive and compassionate, and that that is who she is. But she also can be direct, and she can say, "Hey, this is what I need," and she she can interrupt me and say, "You know, when the kids were little, and say, you know, Bill, we need some time together as a family, or kids are are wanting to talk to you and." Uh, you, you need to learn to be more interruptible for them because they're, they're coming to me when they, they really want to come to you. And uh, so you give me, uh, over the, the years, you give me lots of checks and balances to help me be more emotionally present and engaged. And I'm thankful for that. Thanks for responding. And I've seen you be really intentional. I mean, you did a Bible study on how Jesus handled interruptions. and You've been intentional to learn. <laughs> uh, that's a good example. Yeah, when I see something like that that is a problem for me, then I, I go to the scriptures and, and do a Bible study, and sometimes that will go on for days <laughs> and days. And that's one of those uh, ambitions that can be a godly ambition and a healthy addiction. So, yeah, that's a great test. And I always, try, I always ask myself that. How did I do with being interruptible today? Because it's not my nature. Mm-hmm. My nature is I, I zero in and, and I, I put my mind to something, and I can work for 14 hours with hardly yeah. getting out of the chair, and I'm, I'm fine. I'm happy. and. You can work for 18 hours. 18 hours, <laughs> So you asked me how I feel, you know, reading these stories. Christy and I read uh, Becoming Dallas Willard to each other uh, out loud. Well, I guess I read it out loud. And, you and, did. 
and you listened, and yes. then we would stop and talk about things, and we've been doing this for a number of days. Did the same thing on uh, Life Without Lack, Dallas's book that just came out. And, uh, you know, I'm, I'm feeling sad is uh, one of the things that I'm experiencing because I miss him. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And just even this morning, I went back through some of my journals. I've got uh, some 25,000 words, I think it is, from my conversations after I would meet with Dallas, I would sit down and uh, write down everything that uh, he said and uh, that I said and that was significant. You know, cause, and I, was pr- I would always pray before we talked, Lord, help me to remember what you want to teach me and what you're doing. And uh, God help me. And so I just uh, reams of these pages did the same thing in the two-week monastery class where I was with 20 pastors in a monastery and we were practicing spiritual disciplines with Dallas and learning from him. And I was writing down all the things that he was teaching and all the conversations I had with him over meals and bumping into him in the hallway and my times of quiet prayer and reflection. And uh, so it's just a lot there that, that I'm drawing on and appreciating and reminiscing about, but you know, he's not here to, uh, to talk to or to pray with. And he, you know, hasn't been, here on earth for these recent years of soul shepherding when so much has been going on it's been uh, challenging and exciting and we would love his wisdom and his prayers yeah it's been a loss for you for sure yeah so that's something i feel i th- i think the other thing I, I feel is just the just the challenge of having a a kareen a holy spirit led mm-hmm. career that is not fixed in on my goals but is flexible and fluid to what the Lord surfaces, not only in like times of prayer or times of strategic brainstorming with our team, but really more commonly just in the course of daily life with people and their needs that emerge. So, so many things come up over the course of time that we sense the Lord in, and so we need to adjust our schedules. That's true, and sometimes we don't even know what God is up to in that when we're making that decision, whether we're going to say yes or no, what we're going to say yes and no to. Yeah, so when we started Soul Shepherding, we had no idea that uh, sabbatical counseling and uh, coaching would be so important. Mm-mm. It just emerged primarily yeah. out of our own sabbatical and us writing about the experiences that we had together when we took a short uh, 30-day sabbatical, but it was uh, very significant for us and got medicine that, and so then more and more pastors and pastor couples started coming to us for care. And then that led to us writing this sabbatical guide. And now every day we've got people coming onto the Soul Shepherding website and downloading that sabbatical guide for pastors and leaders to get a Soul Shepherding philosophy of, well, how would you do that? How would you, how would you take a month or two or three for a time of rest and renewal, a time of really listening to God and unplugging from all of your work and all of your responsibilities and so that was good. That gave me a, a appetite for rest and deeper learnings in how to do uh, Sabbath rest. So, and that's a huge thing for any of you who are listening. If you're a, a type A driver like I am, or if you're married to one of those, uh, an achievement-oriented, busy, I, I can do it type person, uh, the key to uh, learning to live and work in the easy yoke of Jesus, is practicing Sabbath. A uh, Sabbath day where you do no work and uh, no ministry, you, you rest and you worship and you're in relationship. 
That's that's a really big deal. It, it cuts me off at my knees every. I, I love it. I look forward to it, but it's also hard to just because I've always got projects going, and it, to just shut it all down and say, okay, you know, Lord, uh, you're working on this stuff now, and I'm going to trust you and what you're doing, and I'm going to enjoy your presence, and I'm going to enjoy my wife and my family and Christian community, and get some sleep and just be reminded that it's not all up to me. Well, I'm I'm so thankful, honey, because I've seen the effect of this on you. You know, I, I used to feel like you were like this racehorse in the gate, just like ready to go, like, let me out, like <laughs> unleash me, like open the doors. I'm, I want to run my race. And I sometimes I feel like you were like, you know, I'm pulling on the reins and you're bucking and <laughs> you're, you're ready to go. And you have learned to be at peace. And you're still a capable racehorse. You're still able to run a fast, amazing, breathtaking race. But you've learned to be content and at peace and still in the gate when God has you hold, 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 hold. It's because I, I found sweetness in the sufficiency of Christ at a deeper level than I knew decades ago. And because I've, uh, I found a, uh, an adequacy and an esteem uh, in my person under the Lord. And of course, I'm still in process with these things. But I don't think I'm a workaholic anymore because I don't have that same sense of shame that is pushing me. And I do at times feel inadequate and struggle with shame, but I deal with it differently. Yeah, you still have the same capacity to work and work and work and work tirelessly for long amounts to do, accomplish a lot of work, more, you know, than the average person or even persons. <laughs> but yeah, it's not, you don't have it where it's compulsive. Maybe a good an- analogy for our listeners here is that um, you, know, you might wonder, well, well, how does somebody become an addict? You take the example of an alcoholic, because I've, we've studied this in graduate school and Part of what makes for an alcoholic is they just really like alcohol. Some people don't like it, but some people like it a lot. They just have a taste for it, a natural craving for it. And with that, some people can just drink a lot. They can just drink a lot of alcohol. So if you add to that now a driving ambition to uh, succeed, an ego that just can never be satisfied, deep emptiness in the soul that can't seem to ever be filled, and the only way you kind of know how to feel some satisfaction is with accomplishment, achievement, people being impressed with what you've done or how much money you have or how much knowledge you have or how uh, successful your ministry is, these kinds of things. When you put that together, the capacity for alcohol and then this pain that you're taking to alcohol to comfort yourself, that's what makes an alcoholic. And so in our the early years of our marriage, that's where I was at with work. Mm-hmm. You have the high capacity to work, enjoying it, but taking, looking to it to meet need. Yeah, I just felt like I wasn't alive if I wasn't accomplishing something. Mm-hmm. And so it's been a long journey for me, you know, little by little growing and being in therapy was a huge part of that and, and practicing these things that we teach in Soul Shepherding going back years ago, slowly been helping me. But I always have to watch myself because I can just, go back into overworking, even without the the same driving shame, part of the way I watch myself is keeping myself honest. So when I find myself comparing myself to other leaders, I I confess that to somebody that's safe. When I I feel 
uh, I receive a criticism or I just criticize myself and then I start going down into feeling inadequate and guilty and unworthy and feeling bad about myself, maybe even hating myself and feeling ashamed. Well, I, I pray about that. I talk to somebody safe about that. Back in the early years of workaholism, I couldn't even articulate that stuff, let alone bring it to somebody safe and see that's what makes for the big difference. We're going to press pause on our conversation at this Soul Talks, and we hope you'll join us next week for part two of When Ministryaholics Relax with Jesus. If you want to learn more about life and ministry with Jesus in the kingdom of God, consider Soul Shepherding's Institute in Spiritual Formation and Soul Care. In four week-long retreats over two years, we unpack the insights we've learned from Dallas Willard and others, along with our many years of ministry as doctors of psychology. Our retreats happen in a community of pastors and leaders. They feature guided soul talk, meditation on scripture, and quiet space in the beauty of God's creation. You can also earn a certificate in spiritual direction ministry. To learn more, visit soulshepherding.org.